This is Pete Moore. I'm here on Halo Talks NYC on location in San Diego, Ursa 2018, with a old friend of mine <laughs> from back in the day, Gold's Gym franchisee, Dave Dos Santos. Um, we've known each other uh, over 15 years, and uh, now he is the uh, owner-operator of Best Fitness uh, in the Northeast. We're going to talk to him about several things, one, being an entrepreneur, two, rebranding clubs, three, the industry landscape changing and how you continue to reinvent yourself and also reinvent your uh, your fitness offering. So why don't you give our listeners a little about, bit about your personal background and how you got into fitness and uh, and we'll roll from there. Sure. Um, about 18, 19 years old, really into fitness, you know, wanted to change the way I looked and fit, felt. So of course, pursued that, pursued that myself going to college, wanted to make some side money, became a personal trainer. And then I got my first personal training job in a Gold's Gym um, in Salisbury, Massachusetts, working for a gentleman uh, named John Grassi, who's a very big uh, industry uh, mentor of mine. Got involved with him as a trainer. And the first day I met him, I said, I'm going to be your partner someday. And he looked at me and he laughed. Five years later, four or five years later, was his partner. We built a, a club with Rudy about 70,000 square feet um, in Methuen, Massachusetts, in a very blue-collared area. It was an $8 million club. It was one of Rudy's flagship clubs that we, we, we started. And that's really where I began my journey. And, and what I did was, at that point, was I realized where I came from, personal training, and I said, geez, I went to school for athletic training. You can't make any money there. Personal trainers are struggling to find a career. How can we help the industry become better at helping personal trainers and exercise physiologists and sports management people come become, make, a revenue, make, a, make some revenue in personal training. At that point, EFT training was not even, even around, and that's actually how I started it. We started EFT training probably in 2003, and that was with, that's how I got into the industry, and that's kind of where I made my mark as far as personal training because really EFT training was just a – no one even thought about it. No one even thought about personal training at that point, never mind EFT training. Yeah, so so for some of our new listeners entering the industry, you got paid in full, you got uh, classes, and you got EFT, electronic funds transfer, which is basically putting personal training on a monthly recurring revenue model and providing a specific number of training sessions based on that, which holds the member accountable, knowing that uh, they're not getting hustled as well, sure. you know, for, for to re-up their, uh, their class packs uh, or, or personal training uh, packs, but also to make sure that there's a smooth revenue stream for the club and for the personal trainer. So it's really in line with building a relationship. There's no tail, there's no uncomfortable or anxiety moment where uh, people are saying, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that or, you know, when do I drop that 10 or 20 pack or 40 pack uh, on a member. So that, that was definitely a big cosmic change, I think, in, in personal training. 100%. Uh, in I, I think the biggest change is that personal trainers asking a customer for money after 10 sessions becomes very awkward for a person that went to school to help people. And if you're going to school to help people, how do you ask that person in two weeks, 10 sessions, three weeks, whatever it is, for more money? It becomes very awkward for the trainer. Right. So the way, the way that, you know, again, I want to give hats off to, of course, the, the, the person that really created training as a program in this industry, Mark Master of 24 Hour Fitness, because they are really, and anybody can say anything different, they are the founders of how training became in. I was just happy enough to be able to be in a club that I saw that in in uh, California, and I was like, wow, this is this is a great system. We got to bring it to, to, to the Northeast. So when we brought that system in, the five components of fitness, which is, you know, years ago, 
we were selling 10 packs, we're doing this, all that. And I, and I just said to myself, geez, it just becomes, you're, you're chasing your tail every month, mm -hmm. every, every couple, of, and it's becoming very awkward for the trainer. The trainer can't have a consistent way of getting paid because they're always asking for money. So how do we, how do we become more consistent in getting them paid? How do we become, make it a career? Because no one wants to be asking a friend, a, a person becomes a very personal trainer, personal relationship with that person. Asking them for money is a little difficult. So how do we get, get away from that? So again, just doing research, like we always come to Ursa and we've met great people in this industry, coming to Ursa, learning, listening, and hearing about some things that are happening in the industry um, outside of the actual club world. It was more done in a, someone would come into your club and they would charge you. It's like almost like a, a personal training company. They were, they, these guys were kind of like the spearheads. So I paid attention to that. I did a lot of research on that. And I said, geez, I can do that too. I own clubs, why don't I do it? And we, we were way ahead of the time for that. So take us, give us a um, frame of reference on the percentage of members uh, that you've had on EFT training, just to, to understand what like a potential bogey or like a benchmark could be. So I want to make sure I, I understand your question. So right now we're at about 5.2% of our total membership number as far as personal training. And out of our 5.2%, and, and I'm a rip off the Band-Aid type of guy, we don't do any paid calls. It's 100% EFT. 100% EFT, gotcha. Okay, great. Um, and, and from a standpoint of how you're tracking or what, what software do you use right now? Well, back in the day when, when none of this really was being done the right way, what we had to do, and it's going to sound crazy, and you can't do it now, it's illegal. <laughs> um, you used to have to have a tickler file with that person's credit card in it back in the day, long time ago. Okay. <laughs> and before, <you'd> have, PCI <laughs> yeah, before PCI compliance. Before PCI compliance came out, exactly. <laughs> and you would ring that person up on their, you know, the monthly date. When I think about 2005, uh, maybe even six, it was probably six, five or six, ABC um, started to come up with their reoccurring service model, which at that point, again, I love ABC. ABC is a great company, but at that point was terrible. Um, <laughs> and but it but it it did it did do what you needed to do. There was a lot of bugs in it. We fixed it. We worked it through. We did a lot of things with it, and you know made a lot of mistakes. Of course, that's how you grow in business. You make mistakes, you learn. So we made a lot of mistakes, and they've done a great job of. of, of course, you can't say enough about them. They've done a great job changing the way the industry is just changing the industry through their software. So. They now have that reoccurring service model. It's not the best model, but it is really good. It works for us, and, and that's what we use right now. Gotcha. So why don't you talk us through, fast forward from the, uh, the arrival of EFT to the Northeast, to some of the other brands that you've gone through and, and some of the decisions you've made as an entrepreneur to, to rebrand. You know, how did that make you feel? Because uh, obviously you, you're a guy who... Uh, you wears your heart on on a sleeve besides your analytical, uh, you know, and research analysis. Like you don't seem like a, you know, a very well reserved guy, um, in a good way. So you know, how, how'd you think about? Okay, I've got to, you know, kind of put on a new uniform basically, and I'm going to go play for another team in my same hometown. Sure. So um, two things. It wasn't in my hometown. So I was a, a Gold's Gym operator with a group out of Methuen. We owned a few clubs. I made a I made a choice to leave and go on my own. And then the choice was I wanted to be a Gold's Gym because that's all I knew at that point, right? That's what, that's what, what I was born with, right? Which runs through my veins. And I was refused a license. Wow. What happened? 
So, you know, there's things that happen politically. Some people have more pull than some people that are a young guy in the industry. So, of course, they blocked me from having a license. Not a big deal. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I thank them to this day about it. I mean, it's the best thing that I ever did. So we created, I can remember the day that they, they, they actually sent me a call. It was a gentleman by the name of Joel Tolman and Anna Welch told me that I didn't, wasn't going to get a license. So I went home that day. My wife just had a baby, my son Marco, and... I didn't know what I was going to do. Hmm. I had no idea. I'm building a club. I don't have a name. What do I do? So I went, on, I went online, what every American person does, and Googles <laughs> things. So I started to Google programs that were helping you, uh, almost like a, it's called, um, it's like a spherical, uh, you put names and things in and different words come out. And um, I thought I came up with a clever name. Answer is fitness, because really the, the, the answer is fitness. So that's when I went off on my own and, and developed a club called Answers Fitness in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, which is 72 miles away from my partner's club. So I wanted to make sure that was uh, important to me. I didn't want to compete with my partners. I wanted to make sure. I think 72 miles is far enough. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I don't think they would agree, but they, <laughs> I, I agree. Lost one member, which was yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think that was and the, I didn't pay. That was the attrition rate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one comped membership. Yes. Um, okay, so you started up um, Answers is Fitness. And, um, you know, at that point, you, you basically, that, that brand didn't mean anything. So how, how did you kind of educate the market and, and kind of take your DNA and your learning and, you know, basically turn that into a brand or kind of put it into a brand? So... I wouldn't be doing myself any justice by not giving someone a little bit of credit by the name of a gentleman by, in the industry by the name of Gary Mursky. Gary's one of my mentors and, and one of the guys that helped me at Gold's. And when we started to do the Answers Fitness thing, I said, geez, you know what? The history becomes us and what we do and how we're going to help people. It's not just about a brand. It's about really what the person wants out of it. So that's where we started to really switch the focus from, hey, this is who we are, you know, like Gold's Gym does it, you know, 1965 bodybuilding, we started with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more about, hey, this is about you, and Answers Fitness is about you, and you making the, the changes in your life. So that's really, we started to make that move towards that in 2003, four, I think, um, and really just trying to incorporate not only that, not just that in the personal training realm, but actually bring members in and talking to them about not just a physical great Rudy club, which Rudy does do some really nice things, but more about, hey, programming, what are we going to do for you? How are you going to help yourself? You walked into the door for a reason. Why? What is that reason? And everybody's reason is different, right? We all have these different motives and these different things that drive us to, to, to want to be healthier. Um, some of it's children, some of it's health, some of it's I want to run a marathon, I want to be able to play with my kids. Whatever the reason is, is being able to extract that reason from that person and really being able to help them understand that this is the, this is the answer. So how did that resonate? 926 members in the first 21 selling days. Nice. I like the, your, your access to data. You have <laughs> like, a, like a drop box going on underneath that, uh, <laughs> that gelled, uh, gelled look right there. I like it. I think if you talk to people, that's my, <laughs> that's my strength. Gotcha. <laughs> So, uh, so take us uh, past the first club, uh, Answers Fitness. So then uh, Answers Fitness came along, and I, and I attribute a lot of my education to Answers Fitness. We did everything. We did the, we did the first month right, but I, you didn't ask me the second month. So Second month? Well, it wasn't 927. No, it, it, no, it wasn't because we had, I had a person from, not from the industry who was my financial partner, this is where, you know, I, I use the word, he wasn't private equity. This is where I use the word private equity. 
and they try to look at numbers and understand fitness and they just can't, right? Because it's a different thing. It's the way people feel and how you make them feel, right? So he decided to jump the cost up on the first month of the presale, $10. Well, that wasn't so good for Dave. It was 79 memberships in February, which anybody will tell you when you sign up 926 and 21 selling days, because we did have a few snow days, you should be doing seven, 800 the next month, 600. Right. Right? That's just what the normal norm is. Since we jumped up so much, we went above, above the point that people were willing to pay for a membership and not have anything to see. So then at that point, that's where I started the real learning. And what I tell people, I'm sure everybody hears in any type of podcast or any type of meme that's out there, it's about the way you grow in any industry is by learning through difficult times. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very difficult time. But luckily enough, we negotiated a lease in a term that allowed us to have enough ramping up period to, um, to be successful. It just took us a lot longer than it should have. It should have been profitable from day one. It wasn't profitable till three years. And that was, the, that was, that was a tough one. Well, we, we've talked a bit on the podcast here um, in prior discussions about the value of the presale and the value yes. about you know, momentum and some of the intangibles of, you know, feeling like you're on a streak and that kind of permeates across the rest of the sales team, across the rest of the club, the members, you know, everyone feels that vibe. And when the vibe's not there, it's not there. You, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a bad day, February. I, I drove my guys. I mean, the, the three guys with me, I know them, they don't no longer work for me, but I mean, they, they learned a lot that day, mm -hmm. those, that month about business. You keep on going. Right, you put one foot in front of the other, and you drive, and you figure it out. We figured it out. We figured it out. It took us a while, but then when you dig that ditch, and um, like like you like you said, no matter what you do from that point on, you'll never it's you'll never make it up. It's lost revenue. It's mm -hmm. just gone. Um, so you can you can get to the point where your club's profitable, but you whatever you lost is what you're gonna lose, and that's what you lost, and you got to be okay with it, and you got to move on. I, had a, I just had a brand new, I just had my first child. I just left a business that was very, very you know, did, I did well. I was a, a Rudy club. It was beautiful, big, big club. We had tons of members. We were, we were selling memberships like I didn't even know what to do with. Mm -hmm. And I went to this and I was like, oh my God, uh, did, I do, did I make the right move? But you know what? I just kept my head down. I worked every day. I drove 72 miles there and back seven days a week for three and a half, four years to make sure it worked. And that's when, you know, it, it did. And then it, I, I met some, I met an individual in my club that he, well, he'll never listen to this podcast. He's my partner, Dave Wasserman, and he changed my life. What, and tell us that story. So he was a member in my club. Dave Wasserman, if he walked by us today, he wouldn't even look at us. He's not a bad guy. He's just quiet. Okay. And everybody, everybody be like, that guy, that guy, he's, he, he, how do you talk to him? He doesn't talk to anybody in the club. I'm like, oh, just, we just have a common, you know, we have a common thing, you know, we talk. He happened to be, his father was happened to be the guy who financed uh, a, a chain in our, our area called Best Fitness. His dad was the guy who wrote the check to these two gentlemen that started um, Best Fitness years ago. And I don't, can't even tell you how many years ago. It's, it's a long time. It's 27, 26 years ago. And of course, it was World's Gym at, the point, at that point. So he wrote the check, his father wrote the check. So I met this gentleman at my club and it was, it changed my life. I mean, he, he saw my passion. He saw that I knew what I was doing and how I interacted in the staff. And he asked me to be his partner. 
And uh, well, he asked me to buy more clubs because his partners kind of, it was a little bit of a tumultuous situation in his partnership. He was kind of um, pushed off on not growing any more clubs with them and he was gonna have to do clubs on his own. So he found me and we uh, ended up buying one of his clubs from his partners. So you can imagine, we're buying club that he owns with his partners, just me and him. So it was, uh, that was the first step to the best fitness relationship, which is uh, why I'm here today. Gotcha. So you've got um, clubs in the Northeast uh, looking to continue to grow? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We get, uh, right now we have, well, we're, we're all the way from, we sold Buffalo in Erie, Pennsylvania last year. We sold three clubs two years ago. So we're down to eight. Uh, we're in a pre-sale for one now and we're at nine. Um, and we have a few LOIs out there. We should have 10 probably the next two to three months. Um, we're trying to, of course, we're always trying to grow. That's just me. I just, Buffalo is from a mom and pop shop and I'm not, I'm not a private equity guy. You know, for me, Buffalo just didn't make sense, right? It, it was a lot of time management, you know, flying, you know, keeping expenses low and, and trying to do all those things. It just didn't make sense at some point. So I said to the guys, let's get rid of it and let's concentrate on the Northeast. Let's gotcha. concentrate where we have clusters of clubs that we can handle. Great. And, what, and what's the, the differentiation? Um, how, how is Best Fitness um, sold to members? And what, you know, what's the DNA and culture of the brand? I, w- I would say the DNA and the culture of the brand is helping people. I mean, that's really what we're all about is what do you, what do you need? What, what's, what is your driving factor of why you came in today? And let's help you get you with your goal, right? I mean, that, that's really... We have all different types of places in the industry. And, and at the end of the day, everybody has a different goal. So really trying to find out when you come in. I think that I, I can say this pretty uh, at 90, in the 90 percentile, that if you come into my gym, we're, gonna, we're going to not just pitch you a price. We're going to ask you questions. We're going to, because it's done on an iPad and they have to answer the questions to get to the end of the, end of the script. And we're very good at making sure that happens. I'm going to tell you it's not 100% of the time, but I'm going to tell you it's in the 90 percentile. And I'm going to tell you that anybody who knows me, they know when I say 90, it's damn close. It's not, a, it's not someone who tells you they don't know how many people that walk through the door by the minute because I do. So when I say 90, it's 90. It could be even more. And we just, that's really what it's we're about is the sales process and understanding what people want and making sure that people aren't coming in and getting pitched a price. You know, in our industry, the... That the landscape has changed so much. We had to be a price-generated place. We're the, we're the land of Planet Fitness. We're in the, where everybody started. We had to be, we had to do so many ups and downs of this industry in the last five to six years, understanding that and being able to, to move and, and, and juxtaposition around and be able to understand where it's going to be tomorrow and then where it's going to be the next day is important. And I think we've done that pretty well. That's great. So an entrepreneur entering the space now, what would be some some words of advice, whether they're becoming a new franchisee of a brand, whether they're entering um, the sector in a company-owned, backed, you know, team, you've got a lot of experience. I say, <clears throat> my tagline is, uh, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So when someone comes to me for advice, I could say, seen this type of movie? Sounds like a similar type of movie. Let me tell you how it's going to end. <laughs> you know, so, you know, as you've gone through the, the, the highs, the lows, the discipline, the data, the passion, the gut, you know, what, what are some of your parting uh, advice to, to people getting into the sector or people working, you know, potentially working for you in a, in a high level as a career? 
Well, there's very few people like myself coming into this industry at this point. The, the capital infusion is, too, is, 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 is high. It, it, the, the business has evolved, right? Let's be honest. Coming open into the gym, 20,000 square feet, 15,000 square feet, you're talking millions of dollars, right? So at, at that point, you know, my first buy-in was 50 grand. I don't think they're doing that anymore. So I guess the question, I'll, I'll frame it to the industry and, and, and what I think we need to be better at. I just think that we, we need to make sure we understand what this industry is about. Understanding what a customer is expecting and the expectation of what they want and what a gym owner or a person that works in the industry thinks. Those two things need to somehow align. We have to stop thinking like fitness people and start thinking like regular people. And I think that's the toughest part for all of us to do because we are fitness people. And so I think that that is probably, if I could, if I could sum up one thing, is understanding a consumer and understanding that you're different. Because if you don't know that, you're not going to get anywhere. It's a great point. Great point. Yeah, so don't look at the mirror. Don't look in the mirror. Look at, look at the customer. Look at the member. Yeah. That's great. Uh, well, continued success. Glad we uh, reconnected here uh, on the podcast. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to working out in one of your best fitness here over the next couple months. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot.